0: and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Hello and welcome back to another episode of In Flow with Soul. Thank you for making time for this today. Today we are talking with Sherry Roberts. And Sherry Roberts is a realtor since 2001, and she's passionate about celebrating her success, but even more passionate about celebrating success of others. Sherry, I cannot wait to hear more about your story.
1: So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me today. It's an honor and a privilege. And it was fun telling everybody, I have to go to my interview. Sorry, I can't talk to you right now.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, you are the celebrity, the star on the stage here today. So let's start with, as we usually do in these conversations, tell us a little bit about your experience as becoming an entrepreneur. What was that path like for you?
1: So it's really funny. If you look back on your life and you know how they always say when one door closes, another door opens, or you think something devastating happened to you, you know, this is awful. And what I've learned now at the middle age of 49 is I tell people, you don't know until you know. So currently, if we lose a home that we put an offer on or something, I I laugh inside because I'm like, wait till you see the house you're going to end up buying. And they always, it happened to me today, actually. They just said, thank God we didn't get the house. We were, they were crying over this house that they didn't get. And it turned, they weren't supposed to build the house behind them. Turned out they built a mansion within the last six months. They went and looked and they said, oh my gosh, that could have been us. Like we thought we'd have nobody behind us and they have a big farm and all that. So, and agents who lose deals and, and things like that, but. So I started, um, as a bartender and a waitress, um, definitely managing people's expectations, um, being a psychologist, you know, any of the fields like a hairdresser or, you know, bartenders and waitresses, um, very natural to go into different types of positions, or I guess you could say sales, but I don't, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not, I don't even think I'm in sales.
0: Um,
1: so the... So then you you learn how to, like I said, you learn how to manage everyone's expectations. And then it's so funny how one thing leads to another. And I'll never forget the reason why I mentioned the restaurant is my manager said to me, Sherry, you could never work for anyone. <laughs> because <Really>? I, was, <laughs> I graduated college. I was in my early 20s. He'd tell me to do something. And I'd say, why? Because not... To be not insolent or obstinate, but I I want to know why he wanted me to do that, and maybe I had a better way. Which mm-hmm. a restaurant's a machine. There's no room for thinkers. You you have to keep going. But yeah. I just thought that I was owed an explanation, and maybe you know, okay, I'll do that. So yeah, wrong. Um, <laughs> and I I rarely had. I never had a a, a nine to five job. Um, I love, I I never liked either the cap of this is all you're ever going to make. You know, I've learned recently and I I'll share that with everybody also that things aren't like they used to be. Our generation thinks that you have to work really hard in the grind. You have to get dirty. You have to be up all night working. You have to be up early in the morning. You have to be available to everybody at every time of the day. Um, but the thing of it is to me is what I liked is the more work you put in, the more you get out of it. Right. And I like, like I said, there was no cap on salary. So, so the irony is, um, again, bartending and waitressing. Then I worked while I was going to college or after I got my master's, I worked for, well, my undergrad, I worked for a mortgage broker. I knew nothing about mortgages. Right. But they picked me out of a shoe store that I was working at and said, he said, you have to come work for me because, you know, I wouldn't shut up. So <laughs> he so I went to work for him and I did that throughout the summers and stuff in undergrad. And then when I graduated, I waitress and then I found a job with the title company. Knew nothing about that either. You know, had no idea yeah. what I was doing, but OK. Then. Um, I started to teach, I taught at Miami Dade community college and politics were too much for me because I just think everybody should learn everything and be happy. And I didn't realize I had to be accountable to other people and they may not like some of the things that are being done, which, you know, I don't know, I'm teaching everybody how to speak English. What better than that? Um, and in the meantime, um, I, people would say, Hey, how are you? And this is in the late nineties. I'd be like, I need a job. I need a job. I need a job, and I said it enough that uh, one of my friends said, "That's funny." He said, "My father and I are looking. We have we own a real estate company." He goes, and we're looking for someone to be our transaction coordinator, personal assistant, whatever. And I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I work for a title company. I work for a mortgage broker." You see right? where this is going? Yeah. So, so then I was hired, and I handled all the realtor's transactions. Now, this is bear with me, in the very late 90s. So they paid me $250 a week and they gave me $25 bonus for every file I closed. But then I started watching these realtors make $15,000, $20,000, $10,000, $5,000. And I said, oh no, I said, I want to be a realtor. So they paid for me to go to real estate school, gave me great support. And they said, you're going to be 50-50 with us. Fine. Plus they gave me the $250 a week. Then. I got my first double-sided deal. The commission was twenty-one thousand. I got eleven, and I said, "Take the training wheels off." Yeah, and and that's that's the thing about um, being an entrepreneur. You can't realistically you do have to have something to fall back on, obviously, to pay your bills. So I was waitressing sure. or bartending at the time. But I find that new agents or people who have training wheels or have something to fall back on, and myself included, I'm married, and thank God my husband does very well. And there's sometimes maybe I'm not putting forth the effort I need to. I realize you got to have that hungry attitude, yeah. also fight or flight, and those are the people who succeed. So you have to find a way to have that, even if you do get comfortable in your life.
0: What gives you your hunger attitude? Uh, hunger appetite.
1: Now, oh my gosh. So I have a hundred agents that I work with all over the state of Florida and no kidding. When I get those fireworks on my phone, that their, our offer was accepted over everyone else's because I make sure their offer's perfect and shiny. I mean, I'm, and it's their, a lot of them are brand new. So sometimes it's their first deal. I'm crying. I mean,
0: yeah.
1: That rush. Don't tell anyone this. No one's watching, right? No. Um, <laughs> okay, I would do it for free if all I if the my the way I get fed is Sherry. You're amazing. Thank you so much for everything, Sherry. You're doing a good job. No one else could have done it, and thank you. And you made everyone happy. That's enough for me. That fills my cup. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now, I imagine when you first started in real estate, were you aware of? this inner passion or what was your hunger at that point
1: in the beginning, probably freedom. Um, you know, and again, we all make those mistakes when we're in our twenties, you have no freedom when you're an entrepreneur, you don't understand leveraging, you know, right? (laughs) again, you think no one can do it better than you. There's no one else to help you and you have to do it all by yourself. And, um, that, you know, so you do get caught in that quagmire. But in my twenties with no husband, no children, no no responsibilities. I mean, I would I had a motorcycle, I know it's crazy, but I had a motorcycle. I got contract signed at one o'clock in the morning on my motorcycle. I've gotten contract signed in hospitals, you know, at night for good things. My girlfriend mm-hmm. had a baby, and I said, I, I said, there's someone coming to see your house. And the husband said, No, we're going to have a baby. And I said, I bet you a hundred dollars. This is the deal, and it was so. The baby's born. I was the first one to see their daughter. Of course, I brought gifts and a contract signed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it really has really been that that hunger. It, like we said at the beginning of the show, right? Seeing the success in others, your joy of being able to bring that contract to that family. Uh, who had just been through childbirth, for crying yeah. out loud. Right. That, well, that's that's incredibly intense. I know, I know. Yes. And then being able to, like, this is a cherry on top.
1: Completely, 100%. And on the flip side, my specialty are short sales. Um, short sales are when the house is worth less than they owe. Um, not so many now. I started doing them in 2008. Again, entrepreneurial. My boss then, so I'm older. It's 2008. I have a family. And I said to him, so I have this house I want to sell. I have the listing, but it's a short sale and I don't know how to do a short sale. I'm going to give it to someone to do for me for one and I think it was one and a half percent of my commission. And he looked at me and he goes, why are you giving away your money? And I said, well, I don't know how to do a short sale. And he goes, why not? Just do it. And that's what I try to tell everyone. And I tell realtors, the only way to understand, and you can convert this into whatever business you have, the only way to do real estate is to do real estate. Yes. With me, I'm not going to let them fail. You know, like I said, I keep them out of real estate jail. Just do it. So doing these short sales, I can't. now again, I talk about leveraging. And, you know, you should have, if you are a realtor, you should just have someone else do that for you. Um, but I've got it down to a science And God forgive me. I love it. I love this poor guy I'm dealing with now. He hasn't paid his mortgage since 2013. He can't buy a house. They owe 1.3 million. It's only worth like 900. And there's a foreclosure date of March 15th. And everyone has told me that I can't do this. Guess what? I am going to do it. I'm going to save this family He'll be able to buy a house in two years. I'm going to make some other family super happy. The, the other houses are going for over a million. They're going to get this house needs work. They're going to get to raise their family there and everyone's going to be happy. And the biggest thing is, I'm going to do something that everyone said that I can't do.
0: I love this, this I can do it attitude. Have you always had this or is this something that has evolved as you have evolved?
1: Always. Um, I would, I, well, I mean, so I'm not raising my kids the way my mother raised me. And it's pretty obvious, <laughs> but my, you know, take it as you will. But, you know, movies were $2 and 50 cents. And I'd say to my mom, I'm going to go to the movies." She said, did you babysit? And I would say, no. She goes, I guess you can't go to the movies. So, and my husband, we're identical. He has his own business. My husband found a niche. I mean, imagine we're both self-employed. So if something happens, something, knock on wood, is really going to happen. And he found something unusual. He does leaf searches and pool repairs in Florida. He found a niche. He's been doing it for 30 years. And, of course, nobody does it like him. He was raised the same way I was. I mean, so... If I wanted, like, my mom definitely gave me the clothing I need, the shelter, the sure, food. Sure. The I had enough, but I also had a fashion thing. So I lied when I was fifteen and said I was sixteen so I can get a job. Okay. Um, they told me afterwards, you know, I was at the mall. They're like, we knew you were fifteen. But nowadays, you know, you can't do that. But it right, was all right. paper. I said, oh no, right. I just changed it from seventy two to seventy um, yeah. one because I, there were things that I wanted to do and I wanted to better myself and I wanted mm-hmm. to, and there were things I wanted and the only way to do it was for me to do it myself. So, um, you know, maybe that's part of nurture nature because my son, my daughter's a overachiever. I raised them both the same way. And my son, he thinks a C is fine as long as he's passing. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, it could be from the way I was brought up, but maybe if I was a different person, maybe I just wouldn't have gone anywhere or done anything.
0: Exactly. Well, I love hearing your um, story about your experience of developing this um, I can't do it attitude, right? Because you had to. Your your mom and your dad set it up for you that if you wanted to do something, you had to find a way to make it happen. That's right. And, and thankfully, it sounds like they also gave you the support to be successful with that. So it wasn't just, you know, go out and figure it out for yourself. Good luck. Right? Well, they put some supports and... She-
1: yeah, but she would, she, I, my job was at the mall Yeah, and she would say, get the bus schedule and get you, cause she commuted an hour and a half and in the winter it could be two hours if there was snow. And she's like, you know, and, and I literally <laughs> walked a half a mile or a mile in the snow <laughs> to, yeah. and stood on the bus stop and would watch my mom drive by sometimes say, hi. I'm like, oh my God. But uh, that was like, you know, it, it was life. And what
0: do you think you learned from that?
1: I've never had a sense of, you can't do it. You can't say that or you, there's no can't. It's never no until it's no, like, I don't know, three or four times um, with a short sale, for instance, let's, that's the best example I can give you. Ev, there's, they say no all the time. Yeah but I've never had a permanent no. I mean, you can have someone turn it down and say, no, we're not doing that. And I say, okay, we'll just resubmit. I resubmit. I've gotten the same person at the bank and they approve it. It's never no. Like until that house is foreclosed and like I said, apply this to anything that you have or the way you are in your life Mm -hmm. until that house is out of my hands and I'm not allowed to sell it anymore, I will do it to the last day and knock on wood, it will work. The one of them I did, I didn't tell anyone, but we got to the closing table and I said, oh, thank goodness. And they said, why? I said, oh, well, the foreclosure date was next Friday. They're like, what? I said, yeah, we went to the courthouse. We got an extension. One of the contracts fell through. And if this didn't close today, it would have been foreclosed and nobody would have gotten the house. But I wasn't worried. They just looked at me like,
0: oh, God. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I'm hearing you describe here is you have this innate belief not only in yourself, but belief that things are going to work out.
1: They always do. Um, You just, you just have to put your mind to it. I mean, listen, nobody's perfect and my language and I love, I love, see, thank God there's no relationship drama. Like again, let's go back to our twenties. That was so much fun. So much drama. (laughs) (laughs) And I, And I don't have that anymore. And it's, it's in the, in the work now, which I thrive off of. So Mm -hmm. Chad, who is our, he owns the business. So even though I handle the nitty gritty, we are so perfect for each other as business partners because, well, first of all, he pays for everything, but, (laughs) (laughs) and my percentage shows that. So it's okay. But um he is very Zen and very, the universe will provide. And he's very calm. And I'm like, oh, he goes, I can hear your eyes rolling. He goes, I uh-huh. can hear it, but he's yeah. always right. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, he's, he's like I said, so he's the yin to my yang. So I really, um, he's trying to, to focus my attention, like, you know, I know a lot of people out there love yoga. I would rather take an orange theory class, kill me and, and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad is trying to get me to change my language. I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to fail or they're going to kill me or I'm going to die. He says, you, you have to stop that. He says you have to speak affirmatively and you have to make it yeah. happen. Um, I'm working on that, but mm-hmm. I love the, the, ah, you know, yeah. <laughs> the craziness of it.
0: What <laughs> And and I think that so often, like drama gets a bad name. I, I one of the things I love to say is when people ask me how are things are going. One of my favorite responses is there's just enough drama to keep it interesting, right? <laughs> it's it's not going so routine and so boring that there's there's nothing new. But we need mm-hmm. a little bit of drama in our lives to keep things interesting and to keep us kind of on that edge of our comfort zone, um, because I think there is some excitement in that.
1: You're the first You're person I've ever, yeah, but no one's ever affirmed that for me. They're always trying to get me to, you know, not be that way and maybe not enjoy it. I, It's funny. I spoke to someone who's a, a fantastic producer. He does way more than I'll ever do. See, there's that language again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's he's amazing. And I said to him, stop doing everything yourself. You have to leverage. Let me show you how. He goes, no. He goes, I enjoy it. I said, but the stress. He goes, I don't have any stress. Yeah. I mean, he paints people's houses for them. So I'm like, why are you painting their house? Hire a painter. No, I like to do that for them. So it works for him. Yes. You know, and I think
0: that's one of the things that I have discovered, especially in business coaching, is that there there often is this mindset in the client's mind that there's one right way to do it. I either I haven't figured out that one right way, or I haven't made that one right way work for me yet. And so then those two add up to results. I don't like the results that I'm getting, but I don't know what else to do. So I th- I think there are countless ways. I think there are some truisms, right? There are definitely, here are the components, the what. I love Simon Sinek's, um, you know, why, he, he does hi, why, figure out the why first. Yes, of and course. And then the how and the what. I flip that around just from, if it matches my language better, but I like to figure out why am I doing this? Like you were saying with the, the restaurant, why are we doing this? What is the problem that we're trying to solve here? <laughs> then what is um, a, a possible solution or solutions? And then yep. how can we implement those solutions? So if we can break things down into the why, the what, and the how, then it becomes more manageable.
1: Yeah. And how is this any different than weight loss? Um, I had, I had said to you before I owned a gym. Um, I, my mother, Oh, have raised us with dinner was a protein, a carb and a vegetable. And if we wanted ice cream at night, which was fine. Did you have a fruit today? You know, not raising my yeah. kids that way is really bad. But um, you know, so she taught me how to eat. And of course I went to college and it had uh the pints of Ben and Jerry's and was wondering why I went from one hundred and nineteen to 138. But um you can think of anything that you set out to do is exactly like um let's not even say a weight loss plan. Let's not say, you know, now they're saying lifestyles, you know, and and there's I do a few um companies that I work with. I don't sell the products. I just love them myself. And if you, I always say, if you follow, if you find, first of all, you have to enjoy it. That's my new thing. I, I, I only do what I want to do and leverage the rest. So if you don't like eating cabbage soup, don't, don't follow that health plan, find Mm -hmm. something you love. And I swear, if it's Weight Watchers, if it's Nutrisystem, if it's whatever it is, Mm-hmm. If you follow that formula, it's, it's, they're proven formulas. It will work. You just have to find what you like. Right. So, right. and guess what happens with, and I'm sure you see this in your people and listen, I do it too. Um, excuses, huh? Um, accountability mm-hmm. and record keeping. I mean, I, you think if you wrote down everything you ate all day and didn't like, I had this, my fitness pal I was doing, I'm like, Oh, I, I don't know why I'm not. Losing as much weight as I, you know, I work out mm-hmm. all the time. I eat healthy. And then all those M&Ms add up.
0: They do. <laughs>
1: and it's funny. Um, Chris, once mm-hmm. he is having this, Chris Abazi's uh, Dream Key Consulting is having this amazing like coaching thing. And he wants me to join with him and I won't do it. Do you know why? Because mm-hmm. you have to be accountable. And okay. I'm not ready. <laughs> okay. to have some I'm, I'm not ready yet to to like follows other than what i'm doing i'm even blushing you can't even tell turning red is it's hard to admit that but yeah i know i'm not gonna every monday did you do this did you do that like no i i didn't do that right right and then what <laughs> yeah right? and then it, where does that conversation and- go Right. And it's with my agents. If you're ready, I am more than willing to help you. If you follow my advice, I'm more than willing to help you. But if you come to me and say, well, I only did half of the things on there, this and that, but that doesn't matter. Why aren't I making money? You know, Why, are, why don't I have more customers? Well, I gave you the formula and the recipe and you're not following. Right. Right.
0: Can I go back to something you just mentioned not too long ago is the gym. Tell mm-hmm. me Because I, you know, I, what I was hearing was your progression from the college jobs into becoming a real estate agent. Where's, where did the gym experience come in that storyline?
1: So I, again, my mom worked, I mean, I remember her working out in the seventies with her friends on my living room floor, like, and my mother has always gone to the gym. Um, and she's in fantastic shape. Um, and that rubbed off on myself and my brother. Um, and I real estate, you know, obviously ups and downs. And like I said, I've learned a lot and it was never steady Freddy, for me, um, okay. in real estate. And it was 2013, I think. And my kids were finally getting a little bit older and I was bored. And I said, to so my husband, I said, "I want to open a gym, and I wanted to model it after a particular, you know, a particular style of of gym." And I said, "And where I live in a, is a very rural area. We only have two um, uh, plazas out here right now. The, obviously, it's going to boom like everything else, but we only have two plazas here." And I knew one had cheaper rent than the other, and the community always said. I wish we had a gym. I wish we had a gym. I wish we had a gym. So, um, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this. Like I said to my husband, I'll never forget we were, my, my stepson was moving, you know, he was old enough. He was moving out. We were cleaning it out. And I said to my husband, I want to open a gym. He said, go ahead. I go, no, no, I was, I was just kidding. He's like, he's like, no, do it. And he says, and again, it's the support that you're talking about. He says, if you do nothing, you get nothing and i said all right so i found two partners and i am i'll admit i'm still naive i'm still three musketeers i think everybody yay we're going to do this it's going to be amazing yeah. and and i figured out really creative ways to get the money um we were not my husband and i were not able to pitch in financially at the start and i said to my partner i said one of the partners, I said, listen to me, I know how I am. I said, if, you know, if, if this is going to upset you, I said, stop now. Cause the guilt will, will destroy me. I okay. said, but I will, you know, I will set us up. I will, I know how to, I love the the paperwork of it, uh, getting the insurance, getting, doing the build out, writing the contracts, doing the, you know, getting the county's permits, all that stuff. And yeah. we did contribute threw out to help make payroll and and things like that. So, you know, I felt, and my husband, he says, I pimp him out. So I definitely, (laughs) he did, he helped, you know, we, we hired a contractor, but he did the floors and he did things, you know, to try to ease the cost. And um, unfortunately the, we were like three different entities and it never occurred to me that it would be that way. And Lance was, said to my husband said, just make wage. He goes, if you can make wage and you're happy and you're doing this thing, you know, that would be great. Well, it got so bad. So it took us a year to set up and we were open for a year. And I looked like I was a hundred years old. I mean, that stress. And I actually looked at myself in the mirror and said, Oh my God, am I going to look like, like I got scared. I was like, am I going to look like this forever? Like I just aged myself. He, and I didn't say anything. And it never even occurred to me. And he looked at me and he said, you can quit because I don't quit. And I said, yeah, what? right. And I told him at the beginning, I said, listen, we're going to invest a lot of money and time into this and I can bring the whole family down. He said, That's, he said, if you do nothing, you get nothing. Go for it. So he said to me, quit. I said, yeah, but we're this much money in debt. And he said, I don't care. It's killing you. It's killing us. He said, and you're not happy and it's not lucrative. He goes, get out of it and a giant weight lifted off my shoulders. And I said, okay. And I, I walked away. It took me five and a half years to pay the debt off. Um, I, again, to use the word steady Freddie, I just made that payment. I mean, it was almost a house payment, but you know, a small house, but, uh, yeah. I, you know, I paid it off even when the, the times were tight and whatever and walked away.
0: So that I love this story because it contrasts what we were talking about earlier with that whole can-do attitude. Because even if you have a can-do attitude, there are times when things aren't going to work out the way you wanted to or what you thought they should or could or, or any of those kinds of things. If you look back on that now, is there anything that you would have done differently?
1: I ask myself that all the time. And I talk about it with my husband a lot. It still pains me and it causes me pain because of the relationships and, and the torture and it didn't have to be like that. Um, and the, and the perception of, and the desperation, um, you know, but I mean, I don't, if someone doesn't want to communicate with you and you keep trying to communicate with them and they just don't want you there or whatever the reason, you know, there's nothing there's nothing I could have done. And I think by saying, look, if we go into this, this is how it's going to be. Are you okay with that? And they mull it over and say, yes. And then it's not okay. Or maybe I, you know, then i run over i um, just like everyone else. I run over Did I do something? Did I say something? Right. But I kept saying, what's wrong? Why isn't this working? Why are we not, you know? And, and also what I learned is I was expected to do things that are not in my wheelhouse. I am That's not a huge. marketer. Yeah. I'm not a marketer and I never pretended to be. And then yeah. when, and I was being punished for not being one. I, yes. I, I'm not a marketer. I mean, I know it's terrible. They, I, it, it's funny. My old brokers used to call me the secret agent, which is terrible. You know, everyone should, but I just feel like everyone should find me because I'm so great, but not, you know, yeah. <laughs> but that's, you know, and then we all think that we think the work's right. going to just come to us because we have a great soul and a great idea and we're, you know, it, it, no. So, what I, I, again? And I was it's funny. I was also president of a local moms club, and I learned how to deal with fifty women. And I made mistakes, oh. and you can imagine how women would point out that you make a mistake. I was going to say I, that probably
0: didn't go unnoticed.
1: No, no. <laughs> but I learned from that, and I learned from the gym of how to better treat people, um, be more tolerant of maybe they don't understand as well as you do, or. You know, and yes, I made, I mean, I can cringe inwardly cringe and I can't believe I did that or said that to someone, but, um, I didn't mean anything by any of it. I just had certain expectations and I didn't want any harm to come to anyone, but that it's, again, let's go back to looking back on your life of all the stepping stones and the puzzle pieces have made me what I am now. And I am the one that a hundred people look to for yeah. answers. And, you know, they say, Sherry, talking louder is not going to make me understand it any better. Just like if I didn't speak <laughs> the language yelling, you know, not yelling, but it's funny. Yeah. And I, we obviously now there's texting and they say, and I'm not texting in caps. They say, stop texting in all caps. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: I and, and the young ones are, they say, boy, they're, you know, they gave me the best compliment. I guess uh, the rumor going around the office was Sherry's, the biggest pain in the butt. And someone who's had 44 years of real estate experience said to them that and said to me, he told me that. He said, that's the best compliment you can get. You nice. Know, not, not that I was, not that I'm mean or I'm a horrible, but nothing about me, just that I expect your work to be a certain way. And if you want to say, so yeah, I want to be your pain in the butt. So right. going back, would I have done anything different? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Lance says there's nothing I could have done. And believe me, we've hashed it out. But sure. I am glad I did that. Um, because even though it was, let's not call it a failure. Let's say I just, it, I, I didn't succeed. but. I think that was the last lesson I was supposed to learn how to manage people. Exactly. And the other
0: thing that I'm hearing is that you said early on in this, it was about communication, right? So you, you thought that you were laying out, here's, here's my style, or here's the expectations. That other person sounds like they bought into it at some level. And so you, you assumed that you were on the same page. Is that fair to say?
1: right. But we must not have been, and they maybe weren't the type of person to confront me, which I would have loved. Even if it was hard, I hate confrontation and I don't like to be told I'm doing anything wrong. And I hate criticism, just saying, but, (laughs) but (laughs) you're so unique. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. That's probably why I don't have a coach because I don't want to hear it, but no, but I do. But that's the other thing I've learned too, is I am listening and I am learning. And you know, my first answer, just, I wonder where my son got it from is always no, but it's like, no. And then I'm like, all right, tell me why still with that 20 year old waitress, tell me, you know, tell me why. So yeah.
0: Well, uh, recently I had a very micro um, experience like this, right? So I had, was asked to do a presentation to a group And um, I thought that I was clear about what I needed in this. And I thought I understood what was being expected of me. And uh, ironically, the presentation was supposed to be about how do you know when it's time to pull back uh, oh. From a project or from a commitment that you've made. Oh wow! And after the first meeting with this person, I had a conversation with my admin that said, "You know what? I I don't know. This just feels off. It feels like we're we're butting heads against one another." But my what I said to myself was, "What, well, Mary? You've made this commitment. It, you, you're not. She's not hurting you, right? This this isn't like a painful kind of thing. Just just go through with it." and when it came time to actually deliver i didn't have what i needed to be able to deliver and i uh, of course now i'm going to beat myself up like oh gosh why wasn't i prepared why didn't why didn't i figure this out right and you know there's there's plenty of room for that too but but my takeaway from this is especially given the irony of the topic right how to know when to pull back <laughs> i sh- at the, at the end of that very first conversation if i'm having if I'm telling my admin, look, I don't, I'm don't. i not feeling good about this, I need to start listening to that for myself and saying, if I'm not feeling good about this, this probably isn't going to go where I want it to go anyway. So it's okay to say no. Mm-mm. And so that's oh. a very small Hold on, example. listen.
1: Say that again. If I'm not happy with the way it's going, it's probably not going to go well, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's okay to say no at that point. Because again, I have this midwestern kind of thing. You you you've said you're going to do something; you got to do it. Correct. And
1: but in yeah.
0: in this case, like I, I think if I could go back now, yeah. At, when I when after I had my conversation with the, my admin saying mm, this doesn't feel right, what I would do now is call her back and say, you know what, this just doesn't feel right. I don't think we're on the same page. You know, uh, no harm, no foul. But I'm not. I'm not ready for this. Whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I want others to hear that it's okay when thing when things aren't right, stop, pull back, let go of that partnership. Like you've, you've got a bigger example of that, right? There were bigger consequences in terms of finances and all the, mm-hmm. the blood, sweat and tears that you had put into it. My mind is a very micro experience of this. Same but thing. Even what... But it is. And even when it is big, it's still okay to pull back and say no, especially when you're saying my, it was
1: sucking my life. Yeah, that was frightening. That never happened to me before. And yeah, was yes. I embarrassed to be in, it's a small town. Was I embarrassed to go to the grocery sure. store? Yes. Was I wondering if everybody was talking, you know, then I'm a normal yes. person, you know, and yes. that's something, you know, is everybody whispering and, but about what? that I, I tried to open a gym for the community that didn't have one. And, and mm-hmm. I didn't, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And okay. So, so what? Right. So what, like, they don't have to pay my debt. I had to pay my debt. Right. I didn't hurt anybody. Uh, well, maybe I did. I don't know, but you know, <laughs> right. I don't think I did, right. and, oh, why not <laughs> you know, I don't think I hurt anyone, but, um, also let's, let's make another point. That's the biggest thing. And it took me a very I think I always knew this intrinsically, but never necessarily made it so verbal. I tell everyone, manage expectations and make sure based off of what you said, they have to be clear. Um, I'm going to give you a tiny example. And I probably told you this before in a house, you're, you're showing someone a house and there's no washer dryer. You're like, by the way, there's no washer dryer. And they're like, okay. Um, you know, I'm probably going to have to spend the thousand dollars, two thousand, through whatever they, however high they want to go for washer dryer. Which, by the way, try not to use the more expensive ones. Anymore. But um, <laughs> you know, however high they wanted to go, they figured that in, and the price was the price. Now, imagine you're doing a walkthrough. So the day of closing, the morning of closing, the realtor needs to be the that you take the buyers with you. You need to be the last person out of the house and lock the door, mm-hmm. and whatever mm-hmm. is in that house. When you looked at it, it needs to be there when they close and come back. So imagine you're doing the walkthrough and there's no washer dryer. Right. Let me tell you something. You've been waiting six weeks, a month to buy this house. You've done everything you can. There's been buyers who refused to close because a $2,000 washer dryer was gone. Hmm. I mean, you know, you're like, oh my God, what are we going to, and then The only and the other thing is the only thing that your customers remember not that you made a miracle and you helped them with their dream home and it's the best everything that there's that you did not know there was no wash you know, there wasn't a washer dryer. So, with anything that you do, even if it's uncomfortable, it's so funny. I just had a conversation today again with Chad, real quick. I go, one of our realtors, she's young and new and she was trying to get a listing. Well, this other person who's sold many, many homes was uh, also trying to get the same listing, but unbeknownst to either one of them, they had no idea that they were trying to get the listing, right? So uh, realtor A, she, the seller said, listen, I'll I'll let you do another, she did an open house. She said, I'll let you do another open house. She said, I can't do it on Saturday. I could do Thursday. Realtor B didn't know anything about this other realtor. Mm -hmm. He is calling for sale by owners. And he says, listen, I'll do an open house for you on Saturday. She goes, awesome. Realtor B hit it off. They're zooming. He's going to get the house. We're in the same community. She's not with the team directly. So I call Chad. Well, I gave my advice because I am I always call, I always say uh, in the chat averse, verse and what would Chad say? And okay. Chad will offer, you know, Chad offers things you don't have to. Realtor B doesn't have to give Realtor A anything. What if it was Susie Smith with another company? That's the way the cookie crumbles, you know, and he's not doing anything on purpose. Um, it just happened. So I had some ideas. I discussed them with Chad and I said, Chad, what should Realtor B do? He said, be upfront with her, call her. He goes, it's going to be a very uncomfortable conversation and it's going to be weird. Um, I did make sure there was absolutely no way Realtor B knew anything about Realtor A. And there was like, she never called him, you know, it's all on the up and up, the very honorable people. So he said, you ha- they have to have a conversation and offer her something. Um, don't, you know, she doesn't have to be half the deal. Maybe she could be a showing assistant at 10%. Maybe she could do some of the paper. He doesn't owe her a thing. And I, I had suggested the same thing, And he was like, that's going to be an awkward conversation. And Chad's point was, you have to have it. Um, These are people we deal with. These are people we work with. Nobody did this intentionally. We're not trying to steal anything from anyone. Um, And think of how the integrity would remain with us because all you have is your name. Okay. I've been doing this long enough that people know when I bring them a buyer or they come to my listing, I'm not going to make them wave the appraisal and wave the inspection and give us $50,000 we're going to keep all your money and no calm down everyone get your inspection get your appraisal and you have the normal time to close you know let's do this and um that's all you have is your name so mm-hmm. you always have to maintain your integrity and when you manage expectations, when you maintain that integrity and you do something that no one else does, like you just said, if you're going to be there, you're going to be there. If you're going to call, you you call. Believe it or not, you can outpace other people in your field if you manage expectations, show up, and do what you say you're going to do. How easy is that? Yeah. That's not hard. So I was like, oh, I hate to be Realtor B to have to call Realtor A. I hate that. but. I've done that, you know, yeah. I, I you realize there's a sticky, it, see, again, let's, let's think if I called you and said, Hey, I'm so sorry. I know you were getting, I found out you were getting this listing because I went to the, to try to get it too. And I saw your paperwork there. That's when okay. I realized it was you. She'll probably be upset and disappointed and, and a little, you know, hopefully she understands where he's coming from, but can you imagine if he doesn't tell her and yes. she finds out? The situation hasn't changed. He still did nothing wrong. He owes her nothing and she's not entitled to an explanation really, but it's a different outcome if she finds out. So if Completely. you, yeah, so you just have to, you know, again, the only way to do real estate is to do real estate. The only way to keep relationships and, you know, I'm sorry to be so trite, but we're not salespeople. We, we are building relationships and we are, is to keep those relationships, you know, and, and have those jump into those uncomfortable conversations because that will make you different than everyone else.
0: Yeah. The other thing that I'm putting together here from these, the, the experience that you had with your gym and this experience with this agent is that in both cases, there was underlying conflict in the gym case probably went unresolved, you know, unaddressed for a long time. Let's just hope that this goes away. Um, and Chris, is it Chris? Chad. Chad is now saying, look, with this agent, don't let this go. Just in both cases, just confront it. I think what our fear of the confrontation keeps us from actually doing it. And once we do have those conversations, however they turn out, at least we know that we've shown up and we've been our best, ver- our best version of ourselves.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have an agent helping me with something right now. He's a specialist in Airbnbs. I'm not. Um, I said to him, and thank God he's who he is. I said, listen, I'm going to talk this out with you. I said, and I say whatever comes to my mind, and I need you to tell me if I'm wrong. And when it comes to money, I get confused easily. (laughs) I could tell you 500 stories where, oh, I forgot to pitch in the money. You know, just (laughs) not maliciously, just, it was in my wallet. So I said to him, I said, please. So I would give you 10% of this deal that you're doing with me based on the work you would do this. I said, tell me why now maybe I should give you more. I said, why would I give you 20%? And he explained it to me. And I said, okay, so if you're only doing this for me, then 10% is fine. But because you're doing more. You're getting 20. And he's like, Yep, I go. Are you happy with that? He said, Absolutely. I said, Done. Um, who wants to talk about money? Yeah. Right. But let's set our expectations in the beginning. Again, you know, tell me what you why I should pay you this. Because honestly, let's let's be honest. I'd only I only want to pay him 10%. (laughs) You know? And then I'm like, ah, you know, it's 20. But he's right. He is, and I need you know, he's on the team. I am the team lead and I need to make sure that he's happy and he's satisfied. And he said, awesome. Let's do more of these. I'm like, oh my God. Yes. Like I, you know, and he's a very valuable resource and I can't leave this without saying uh, this quote, this is a Chad quote again, contribution equals compensation. Think about that. If you We don't do, okay, we're going to split this 50-50 and that's where partnerships go awry because, okay, we're going to be 50-50. There's always, if you have two partners, three partners, someone's always doing something more than someone else, right? But but from the get-go, if you know, like, I'm going to do this whole deal, I'm going to write the offer, I'm going to, you know, carry the bulk of it, but I couldn't do the deal without this guy. I know nothing about Airbnbs except going to them. Mm -hmm. Right, right, (laughs) right. And he's going to show the buyers that it's financially sound. So guess what? He's going to get the deal for me. Yeah. So, but, you know, I drove an hour back and forth today and, and I'm going to do the bulk of the work and he's happy with the 20. He's going to drop spreadsheets and blech, again, doing all the things that I don't like to do and don't care to learn how to do. So let somebody else benefit from it.
0: You know, I, I think what, what I hear you talking about here is um, that sense of collaboration uh, with one another rather than competition against one another. And within, I'm sure in all businesses, but I, I happen to know more about real estate than the other businesses. And I say this a lot, right? Te- even team members can sometimes feel like they're competing against one another for the leads on the same team. How does your team approach that collaboration versus competition?
1: It's it's even the culture of my company that I work for. All We're all over the state of Florida. Do you know that anyone can come to our office that Chad pays for? Um, there's other agents in Delray, Boca, West Palm Beach, or that say, just come to the office, send your agents to our office. You know, um, Chad taught me that we show all of our own properties. Ridiculous. You throw a lockbox on it, you get it. No. Who knows the property better than you, right? Here's the thing. I have a life and I want to maintain my lifestyle. Uh, my kids are 13 and 16 and thank goodness, Sophia just started driving, but I was doing, you know, pick one up from school, go home, wait an hour and a half, pick the other one up, go home, then go to gymnastics and come back, then go back to gymnastics and come back and go to trumpet and go to piano and Taekwondo. And I'm not available as my, by phone. I talk on the phone all day an implant but um I couldn't physically be there so guess what we hire showing assistants for ten percent and those are usually newer agents um or agents that you know are semi-retired or not as busy you know whatever sure. that it doesn't take away from their business I mean patty showed a house for me went to an open house with me once and she made eighteen hundred dollars she was so grateful and so happy and I'm like wow you know, I'm keeping you in the game. Maybe she doesn't have yes. as much, you know, on her own. Um, we have transaction coordinators again, leveraging. Um, how about this? And I have to say, I don't know if anyone did this. I had a listing where I know I needed help with someone who had better match personality for the sellers than I did maybe. Right. So it was a big listing. It was uh, eight hundred and fifty thousand. So don't even do the math i don't i don't even know how to do the math but i didn't uh <laughs> I didn't add it up and I said I'll use I said Zach I want you to do this listing with me so we put the pole in the ground and to me the two of us are one right because it would either be just my name or just his name but it's just because there's two listing agents we are one entity so a buyer came up and said um I want to buy that house I said I'm so sorry we're in contract and he said okay well let's go Uh, an hour north. I said, Zach, we got a buyer lead. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we'll help me. We'll do it together and we'll get him a house. And we, we don't live an hour north. So we hired a showing assistant for 10%. And he was fantastic. He FaceTimed, he became part of their family and the, your customers. I know you think that only you have the relationship with them. I know you think that only, you know, you are the one, you have to be there. You don't have to be there. If you are there in some capacity, which I was always there for the financials and the, you know, I had my role. Mike showed them house on a moment's notice. He lived 20 minutes away. I can't give them that service. Right. right. Zach was the one that, you know, he helped with the, with the, uh, all different sellers and negotiating. And, you know, we had conference calls we have attorney back title companies, we have inspectors, we have appraisers. I mean, well, you don't really have an appraiser, but you know what I mean? So (laughs) we're not allowed to, you know, don't bake cookies for the appraiser anymore, guys.
0: No, no more.
1: (laughs) So, and don't wear short skirts. But anyway, so, um, (laughs) you know, it closed. And honestly, I did not have to tell Zach or give Zach the... I mean, of course I did, but I'm wondering if other people think that I didn't have to do that. Like it was my listing. They're my people. I had them from before. like, why did I do that? Because integrity and everybody collaborates together. Now, meanwhile, Zach closed 72 transactions last year. He He's still with us. He's remained on the team because of that, of that integrity. So these people that we, we, we closed on a house six months ago, um, and they just so what Chris is trying to teach me too, it's all in the follow-up. I sent an email and saying, hey, congratulations, you know, hope you're loving your new home. Don't forget to do homestead exemption. That's something for tax purposes in Florida. And then they called me and said, Hey, we just closed on our house out of state. We want to buy an Airbnb. So I called wow. Zach. Did I have to call Zach? Oh. Yes. Yes, I did. But <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Zach, we got another one. And then I called the Airbnb specialist and then another transaction coordinator. So when people look at my disbursement authorizations, they're called DAs, mm-hmm. title companies get them and they say, okay, Sherry gets this much, Chad gets that much, Jennifer, the transaction coordinator gets this much, Zach gets that much, Peter gets that much. They go, oh my God, you work for the wrong company. I say, no, I've got five more deals like this. So yeah. the money you want, you know, you have to live. There's no shame in wanting to hit financial goals. There's no shame in being financially successful. You know, yes, if you're in a situation where you you are the sole income earner and you do need the money, that should that's in the back of your head. And and my brokers used to tell me, stop operating from, um, you know, having nothing. They said, you have to act like you make $100,000 a year. I go, but I don't have anything and I'm not. And they go, and it shows. You know, from desperation and and stop acting like that. So I could preach that to everyone, but you know, we can't help ourselves. So the funny thing is, is again, I'm only doing what I enjoy. I don't like doing spreadsheets. I, you know, some I don't like doing the marketing. I don't like so there are other people who are more than happy to do that. You empower those other people. And then just like they said, the money follows. I mean, I think if I'm wrong, I'll never forget. I think Kathy Lee Gifford asked Maria Shriver, or I can't remember who she, when she was young, she told Kathy Lee, find what you love and the money will follow. And I've always thought of that. Like, yeah, cause yes, I want, you know, there's things I want to do. I have financial goals. I don't want to be living hand to mouth, but I also don't want to do what I don't like to do. And it, and I've learned if you, just like you did, it drags you down yep. and the energy you put out is terrible. You get no new, yeah. new, you get no no business, right? You're yep. sour. You're, you're yuck. So if, yeah. even if you don't have a lot of business, but you're involved in many things, the, the money will come because you're exuding it's funny When you've got, I don't care if you have a $30,000 condo you're selling. That's a, I don't want to say a deal, but that's a deal. So to me, my confidence goes up. I have something to talk about and now I'm projecting the confidence and I'm like everyone else, if I don't have a deal and I'm teaching a hundred people how to get, you know, I don't, well, I don't teach them how to get business. Uh, there are other people for that, but if I'm teaching them how to do their contracts and get it accepted, in the back of my head is always, "Well, why are they listening to me? I don't have anything." And as soon as I have something, I'm like, "Oh, I'm the best! I there's I I do this all day long. I'm amazing." And you know, that's something you have to get over too—is your own, you know, insecurities about that. I mean, doesn't my 21 years of experience count for anything?
0: Exactly. Well, I love it. Closing on this story about your your example of sharing the wealth, that it's not about oh I can just keep this for myself and just do it all myself and then you know run yourself let this job now suck the life out of you like the last one did, and it it ties right back to what we our, our intro introduction to you is that your passion is to not only be successful for yourself but to help others experience success as well. A couple of other things that I've, I've learned from you today in in your story is the belief that you can do it, learning as, as you've gotten older, you've learned to trust the process a little bit more, and you have people around you who support that, right? Yes. And so I think for the listener, I think those are three really key takeaways from your story that um, these are, are critical pieces That if we don't believe in ourselves or we don't have people around us who do, and we can't trust the process, if we're not trusting the process, that means we're trying to force everything and make it all happen, which we just can't do.
1: I always say, that's my favorite thing. I'm going to interrupt you. When I see something is a, I always say a round hole with a square peg, you know like there are deals that I try to do in houses. They tell me they'll die if they don't have. And it's like this. And it, I know, I know, I can sense at peace. They're going to get the house. They're not going to get the house. I can tell. It's an intuition. I don't know what you want to call it. I just know how it's going to turn out. My job is to make it happen, you know, try to make it happen. But if it doesn't happen, like I said, watch, watch what happens.
0: I love it. So Sherry, as we close, who who are you looking for to work with? Are you looking for agents? Are you looking for, for um, buyers and sellers? Who are you looking for? And then how can they find you?
1: So we have, they can, the easiest way is Sherry S H A R I dot Roberts, R O B E R T S at exprealty.com. realty.com. Um, we also have the reach estate. We have a Facebook page and we have business. I got it. This is new. Because I'm leveraging, um, I believe it's business service partnership. Where instead of me answering my phone all the time, they say, you know, the initial call. Now I've let go. Mm-hmm. I send them a calendar, mm-hmm. and I know when I have to talk to them, and and they wait. And again, it's managing expectations. I always think like, oh my god, I have to talk to them the minute someone else introduces me to them, or I failed. But I realized I put the days that I can talk to those initial, the initial calls. They're not, I'm not as on top of them as I am with the daily agents. They come first. If, if it's four days from now at three o'clock, I've never had anyone complain. And I still feel guilty. I'm like, that's five days away. Why? But they know that's the appointment and they're willing to wait. So I think it's. And there's yeah, your business. expectations again. Right. Right. Cause yep. I think I should call them in 24 hours. Yep. Well, I can't. So yeah businessservicepartnership.com also and reach we are the reach estate team
0: okay sherry i'm very grateful for you to to be vulnerable with us today and share your stories of where you've learned and and um, some of those painful more painful learnings but again seeing how all of that
1: has brought you to where you
0: are today and i'm excited to see where you go from here
1: And thank you so much for having me. You're lovely. And I really enjoy talking to you. And I hope we talk more.
0: We will. All right. Take care. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes, but most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.